G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name's Jacko and this week we're talking about a couple of things. We're going to start with the FIA Haas and Mazepin and all the fallout and interesting things involved there. Then we're going to talk about Russia and its place on the calendar, what we think might come next. We're also going to talk about the FIA's decision based on the conflict in the Ukraine that's going on currently. We're going to talk about the replacement driver for Haas and the decisions and the drivers in contention for that. Then we're going to do a little bit of a review of the shakedown and the testing that's gone on in the last couple of weeks. And we're going to end with a small preview on Bahrain. Sadly, this week, there's only two of us, but I am joined by Andy. Andy, how are you going, mate? Hey, mate, I'm pretty good. Excellent. Just before we start, can I just give a shout out to my boss for lending us the gear to record this week? Yeah, we actually... The last week for the 167 Studios group has been pretty hectic all round. So we've had some equipment break. We've had a massive amount of support from you and your employers essentially giving us new broadcasting equipment so we could record this episode and have a release. And we've also had a massive support from the manufacturers of our products in sourcing us replacement equipment to send out on short notice. Plus you say COVID. Yeah, and then a few people in the house and a few of the members have gone through COVID over the last week or two. So it has been absolutely mental. Yeah, but just thanks, Mace, for letting us borrow the equipment. It really means the world to us. Absolutely. Thank you very much, mate. We couldn't have done this week without you. All right, let's start with possibly the biggest news. Mazepin's out. The FIA has made some big decisions and it looks like we're back at war again, which isn't a good thing. Never is a good thing. And just a shout out to the drivers at Bahrain overnight. All the ones that were there got together, took a group photo saying no war. Absolutely. It was a lovely gesture to see. And Sir Lewis did miss our bubble. What was nice to see is that he missed his flight and he also reached out on social media saying he wished he was there and wished he could have taken part in it. Because he is front and center if he was there. Absolutely. And as much as we like to rag on his antics in the car, none of us will ever deny that he's possibly one of the best humans on the planet with his humanitarian work. Yeah, him and Dwayne The Rock Johnson both up there with their just their charitable contributions to this world. Yeah, and it's really nice to see people in those positions who were truly trying to change things. So that's a big celebration, I think. Awesome. Well, we should probably just talk about... You just want to start at the start of all this? Yes, let's start at the start. Why don't you start? Well, I mean, biggest news... Well, first big news that broke was they cancelled the Sochi Grand Prix. Yeah, that's. I guess that is definitely what started this whole ball rolling, is that there were rumours that the FIA and Formula One had terminated relationships with the contract holder for the Sochi GP. Which is now confirmed. Which is now confirmed. So that broke. So Sochi is now off the cards. The reason it is off the cards is a terrible and tragic thing. I am going to make light of the fact that it is off the cards and say, thank God, because it was a very boring race. No shit. Couldn't stand Sochi. The only good thing to happen in Sochi that I can remember is a tragic thing, which was last year watching Lando lose his first win in the sport because of his, I guess, look, Lando is the driver I like to hang a little bit of shit on now and then. His crappy attitude lost him that win. That's the only memorable thing I can remember from from Sochi. He'll learn from it though. Oh, definitely. And I truly believe that that occurring to him was a good thing because if he didn't have a consequence to that behavior his attitude never would have changed and I think this has given him and his team an incredible opportunity to be stronger but on Sochi that's the only memorable thing to happen I'd say Uh, 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 Alonso Alonso cutting the first corner in the first oh the beginning of El Plan and it was also where Carlos just smashed into the wall (laughs) randomly too true so I okay 
A couple of things has happened there, but the racing hasn't been good. Well, there isn't racing there. It's just cars going around the track, realistically. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's not as historic as Monaco, so it doesn't bring out the vibes. No, it really doesn't. But what track do you think they'll bring in to replace it? question is, have they announced an official replacement, or is it all still rumours? It's all still rumours. There's Malaysia's been rumoured, Turkey's been rumoured. Obviously, there was that picture of the Turkey Grand Prix on the website for that day. But yeah, I, I don't know which one they're going to bring in. I would really love to see Malaysia back, though. Malaysia would be good. I, Vietnam has never been used, and I've always been sad about that. Vietnam has those incredible straights. I don't think they're going to Vietnam. I know they are not, but I'd like to see that. Also, with how crazy Mugello was a couple of years ago, I'd love to see them race in Mugello again. Yes. Portugal is on the calendar, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. If it's not there, but if it is on the calendar, don't worry about it, because it's there. Uh, what are some other good tracks? Give us another Styrian Grand Prix. Another Styria is always good. Also, Sakir 2. That loop was fun. Oh, that outer loop is yeah. so good. Seeing an outer loop like that would be awesome. And look, if you can't get a track, let's make them do something silly. Like, let's make them do, I don't know, a piggyback race or something. Yeah. If you, Yeah, no, that'd be terrible. No, it'd be funny. Make Lewis have to carry the heaviest person on the field. <laughs> Finally, Who would that be? It'd probably be Ocon just because he's the tallest because none of them are large. Nah, it would be Ocon, I imagine. He'd probably weigh the most. Yeah, and it's only because he's very he's so tall compared to the rest. Man, he was standing next to Latifi in that photo that they took last night, and he makes Latifi look like a dwarf. And Ocon's not massive either. He's only like 6'2 or something. And he's as thin as a twig. Yeah, and he towers over everybody exactly. on the field. So Russia got cancelled, yep. which is leading to a replacement, and then that led to a follow-on where the FIA did make a, make a statement like a lot of sporting bodies around the world and businesses around the world. However, they took a pretty unique approach because a lot of companies have outright banned participation from Russia. But the FIA, and this may be controversial, however, I agree with the stance they took. They said, we are leaving an opportunity for people from Russia and Belarus to still compete as long as they agree to a 10-point contract, essentially maintaining their neutrality, agreeing not to race under the flag because they are an aggressor in a global conflict and adhering to guidelines saying that in no way, even in, in even in small visual ways, will they show support for that. And I agree with the stance they took. I do too. I don't think you should punish the drivers because one man in Russia has a tiny dick complex. Yep. And yeah, like imagine if it was Daniel Kvyat in there we both like Kvyat we would have loved to see Kvyat race exactly and I think that's been one of the big points that's been missed is that our bias towards Mazepin as a person put a lot of pressure from and not official pressure but this is all things we've seen on the internet and on social media a lot of pressure for the FIA to essentially punish Mazepin personally because of this but the FIA I think made the appropriate choice to allow competition but Haas then made the choice to cut off business ties with Eurocali as their title sponsor. Well, they had to. Absolutely had to. It is an American team. And we do know that the Mazepin family and Eurocali does have ties with the Putin regime. Exactly. So they made the decision to cut business, which led to the fact that Mazepin, who is a paid driver and only has that seat because of the money, could no longer maintain his position in the team. So he was fired from his role. I was watching something today. Have you seen the press conference Mazepin had recently? I have not, mate. Apparently he found out the exact same time as everyone else in the world did. A part of me thinks that's quite funny, but it also it also isn't the right way to go about things, unfortunately. 
Like, there was no conversation between him and Haas about even agreeing to that 10-point plan. So, I completely agree that Mazepin had to go. Yeah. He has had the worst rookie season in a long time. His best finish was 14th at the worst car. But that being said, it's an American team. Eurocarly has ties to Putin, like you said. Like, it's just, it had to be. Yeah. What What's happened's happened. He's out of the way. I guess we have lost a very memeable person. Definitely. I mean, that's really the biggest loss here. We have lost the sports punching bag. So, it is one of those things. Mate, you're out. It was going to happen in the next year or two regardless. Unfortunately, it's happened through no fault of your own. You were born into the family you were born in. Mm-hmm. And due to that family's ties to a regime that is acting aggressively and has invaded another nation, you are suffering some consequences because of that. If you were talented enough and weren't paying through that money, you would still have an opportunity to stay, but you haven't. Which leads to more exciting news, though, because today they announced a new driver coming in. There were plenty of drivers in contention for it. So, which drivers did you hear were rumoured for the seat? Because I heard five or six. I heard a few, too. I heard, well, obviously, Fittipaldi. Fittipaldi. Brazilian media were reporting he didn't have the money to sit in that seat. There was also Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg, who I really wanted to get the seat. It would have been nice to see him back. Gio? Italian Jesus could have come back. It well, is a Ferrari seat, so he did does have sway. He's a Ferrari driver. Yeah, and he does have all that Italian backing too, because he is a pay driver as well. He is and absolutely the, a pay the driver. The only other name I heard tied to it was K-Mag returning, and that got announced today, and I was so happy to see him back. I tell you what, though, every door in the Haas office must be pretty nervous. <laughs> He'd gone a Fox smash door Because that door got Fox smashed a few years ago, and it was one of the best moments, I'd say, in off-paddock F1 media, is watching K-Mag smash a door and then watching Gunter Steiner blow his head off about it and then go and hunt him down and yell at him that the only person who is allowed to smash doors is Gunter. And what I like about that team culture is smashing doors isn't disallowed, but you need to, there's only a few people who have the right to smash doors. And the team principal's probably the only one. Probably the only one. I tell you what, both of them are scary and intimidating, but it is a good story to hear back because Gunter did say that he they parted on good terms and that the ideal situation for Haas, if it was in the financial position, was that it was K-Mag and Shumi. That was what Gunter's desire was. So in the end, through a tragic event, everybody's kind of got what they wanted. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the year off will do K-Mag some good too, because let's be honest, that car was a turd for the last few years. It was. And last year he was happy. He was racing in sports cars in America. He was smiling. He even did an IndyCar race. He got a couple of results too in what he was racing in, didn't he? Exactly. So, you know... I didn't follow his career, but I know he did okay. He did okay. I didn't follow it closely, but you know what? Getting him back to the right side of the field, I mean, it's going to boost his confidence, give him a good run this year. And it also speaks to the fact that F1 teams are willing to allow more experienced drivers the opportunity because the traditional viewpoint is once you're out, you're out. And it's nice to see that that's not necessarily continuing. Do, Do you think they pair him back up with his old race engineer? I hope so. Well, that's mix engineer. I know. You would... I don't know. I guess the decision would probably be up to the engineer and what the team thinks will bring out the best results. K-Mag is experienced enough that he can work with any engineer and it might be more beneficial to keep the consistency for Mick going from his rookie year to building a more stable platform for him to work from 
in the following season. So maybe keep... Maybe. 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 I don't know. I mean, the only person who's going to make that decision is Gunther. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a... It wouldn't be a fun decision to make. In fact, I don't envy a lot of the decisions team principals have to make. It's a very stressful role. Man, I wouldn't want to envy any of these... Any of the Gunther's made over the past few years. Talk, every, about, talk about the one guy I think is going to have a heart attack in the field. Him every weekend scares me. He's got a heart attack or something. It's just... When things go wrong for him and you always see him pick up the phone, it is just dread. Dread calling Gene being like, yeah, no, unfortunately, both drivers didn't finish. And Gene, I'm really, really sorry to tell you this, but they've taken each other out. And he goes, yes, I know it was again. Yeah, I know I promised it wouldn't happen again. Yes, they both promised it wouldn't happen again. Yes, I also know it's the sixth time this season. (laughs) Because essentially, two things would happen to the horses. Either... Someone wouldn't put the wheels on the car, or when all four wheels were on the car, they would use two of them to take the other one out every single time. Or the brakes wouldn't work, or they'd catch on fire, or they'd be too hot, or it would rain and someone would crash. Roman crashed in the pit lane once. They've had a rough run. Haas has had a rough run. They have had such a rough run. So, look, glad that K-Mag's back. Hopefully Haas can give him a car that's going to be decent. I seem, you know, pulling a few results. Maybe, well, look, we got to revise our one to twenties now. So I reckon K Mag fourteenth's a good, good pilot position. I just don't know if the car will bring it there, man. I don't know after what we saw in the shakedown. Yeah, but the Haas didn't get to run that much in the shakedown. That's why. That's why I'm nervous. Do we want to talk about the shakedown? Yeah, let's talk about it because I mean. It was nice to see cars back on the track. We saw cars back on the track, even though it wasn't televised because the testing in Bahrain is being televised. Mm-hmm. But the shakedown wasn't. The shakedown wasn't, but we still saw plenty of footage. So my biggest takeaway is that I am far more nervous for Valtteri Bottas and Alfa Romeo. Man, I had very little hopes for him going into it. And coming out of that, I've got no hope for him. I, look, I felt confident. Cool camo livery, new team, new year. Really, like, you know what I mean? I was I was hoping it was going to be this fresh new start and it just looks like they, they're the team that's fallen on their sword. They're the team that's the one that's they're, made they're the, the mistake. Williams. They're the Williams of the last generation. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like they are. Who else was very unreliable? There was a few. The Alpines. Alpines. Alpine uh, blew up. The Aston, we had Fireman Seb back. <laughs> the man of many, many hats and much, much hair this year. God, Ferrari must have been stressful. He left there bald and he's got all his hair back now. Makes me jealous, being a bald man myself. (laughs) (laughs) Wish my hair would grow back like Seb's. Uh, And I don't even have a fix for you, mate. I think you're just unlucky. I really am. I just need money. But you're a musician and you have a beard, which makes me feel like all the music has just moved south to hear the... All the beards just moved south to hear the music better. Basically. So that's not the worst thing in the world. The Ferraris look good. Ferraris were one of my favourites to watch. The other one was uh, the McLarens. The McLarens look great on track. We need to talk about porpoising. Porpoising is or the biggest takeaway from testing. And well, it's a new word I had to learn. It's a new word we had to learn. However, it's a very, very simple thing. Because these cars are ground effect vehicles, they have what are called venturi tunnels near the front of the floor of the car. And a venturi tunnel essentially helps manage the air pressure and flow under the car of a vehicle to create suction, which pulls the car towards the ground, hence the ground effect or the downforce. That's why there's less aero up top and we've got simplified bodies and wings. Unfortunately, the cars were generating so much force down that it was actually causing the airflow to stop and stutter 
because the suction was too great, causing the car to then surprisingly bounce up and boing on its suspension, then generate an, an incredible amount of downforce again and boing down, making it bounce, looking like it was on hydraulic systems up the main straight under speed. Now, some teams suffered with it immensely. The Ferrari looked bad with it to begin with. The Ferrari looked ridiculous, but also the Alfa Romeo really struggled with it. Some teams had very minimal effect. McLaren being one, they struggled the least with the porpoising effect. And I think that's going to come big into the season. If you can't get that porpoising under like under wraps, you're going to be a slow car. Yeah, there was a couple of very bodged job fixes. The, the traditional drilling holes in certain parts of the floor was utilized during the shakedown to affect it. And I believe new teams are manufacturing different parts of their floor to help balance it out. And it's one of those things that you can't test in a wind tunnel or in in a simulator because there is a reason why they don't run yes they don't run at ride height on the belts they run on because if anything touches that very very sensitive belt underneath the wind tunnel it's like a massive car treadmill and if anything touches that belt it will damage it and these things are insanely expensive so some problems especially how the cars react under wind and at ride height can only be done in person. So it's taken everybody by surprise. And I think it's a brilliant spanner thrown into the works for the start of the season. Well, I guess this weekend we're going to know who's sort of got it under wraps because they've got to be bringing their Bahrain floors to Bahrain for the test. Yeah, I definitely think we will see improvements up and down the grid. I don't know if everyone's solution will work. And I don't know exactly which philosophies teams are going to take into how they're fixing it. Because there's more ways, more than one way to engineer yourself out of these problems. But I think that's going to be one of the more exciting things about the season is all these different design and engineering philosophies being compared to each other and then also the team's ability to adapt and manufacture improvements on the fly. And that, if you're into the engineering or technical side of the sport, is something to be pretty excited about. It's going to make a lot of engineers this year tear their hairs out, that's for sure. Oh, it's probably the worst year to be an engineer in F1 is the start of new regulations because things will just go wrong and it's your responsibility to figure out why and fix them at the same time and on the fly. Well, aren't they increasing the weight for the floor? I read that to to allow teams to a little bit more flexibility with their fixing of the, the porpoising, they're allowing a little bit more weight on the floor to allow them to come up with solutions. Yes, and there was a big discussion around the shakedown that a lot of the cars were either over or underweight. Mm-hmm. And there was plenty of struggles across the grid of cars not being in their full race trim at that point. So we'll, there will be a lot to reveal during Bahrain, which I believe is starting this weekend. Uh, yeah, testings are starting, I think, overnight. Overnight. So, yeah. And we'll be able to watch some of that. So we'll probably do an episode talking about what we do see in testing. Yeah. Which, which is exciting because it'll be produced and we'll also have our commentators and they will provide a lot of supplemental information as well. You mean they'll just talk about Lewis and not anyone else? Yeah, you get to know a lot about Lewis, but... <laughs> I think that was one of my favourite moments last year was when, was it Crofty or Brundle said, you don't hear much about Pierre Gasly and Jensen Button turned to him and said, yeah, because you never speak about him. Jensen Button and Nico Rosberg are the two errant commentators who you love to see on there because they critique the performance of the other guys in real time. And it's also correct 
Crofty was lamenting the fact that Pierre Gasly is underrated and never spoken about. And Jensen got in his ear and said, Crofty, you're the commentator. It's our responsibility to talk about him. And you don't. And then All he's telling you about is how Lewis is complaining about tyres. And then he just... I can't believe anything he says about tyres. I really can't. Stop putting it on the radio messages. If he's on the radio, we know he's complaining about tyres. And if he's complaining about tyres, nothing he says applies. So why do we have to keep hearing it? Especially when you've just cut to Ted and you're like, two secs, Ted. No more ignoring Ted. Yeah, I agree. The new Concord Agreement should have that in there somewhere. (laughs) If Ted's speaking, I don't care what the team radio is, Ted gets to speak because he'll probably bring it up. Absolutely. Teddy is one of the best parts of the broadcast. Can we critique the production of F1? Yeah, of course we can. Because obviously, you know, I'm a I'm a producer by trade. Yeah. And I have a lot to say about the production of Formula One these days because it is terrible. There's no one in the ear of the commentators. That's what it seems like. Telling them, hey, we're about to run this audio. Don't cut to Ted. Yeah, it... It seems like it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. That That is one of the one things we do at work is we have, like, we talk to the commentators. We're like, hey, we're about to run this. Talk about it. it, it it's one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm, I'm not good at production. However, one of my favorite things, I can only speak about favorite things I've seen that weren't racing that were still managed to be televised. I'm going to talk about some golden points of F1 production. Okay, do that because I'm just going to get mad. Yeah, because you're going to get mad. I, I don't want to speak of the good points. Unfortunately, has nothing to do with anything anyone has said. But one of the best ones was, we're going to have to delay the start of the race. It's too dangerous. The medical chopper can't take off. And then the camera instantly cut to the Red Bull camera chopper doing a backflip so over the track. <laughs> so I reckon you just slap a big red cross on that one and she'll get you sorted because that was insane. The other one was at Spa. In the rain, no one was racing. It was too dangerous, except for the go-kart track. The camera cut to the go-kart track for one shot, and poor old mate going around the course, binned it straight into the fence in front of everybody, and the commentators unloaded on him. (laughs) They were like, he's never going to get a seat. That was his one shot. Poor fella. It's the only time they cut to the track all weekend, and he bins it straight into the wall. What a real hero. (laughs) So, look, Shakedown was about what we expected. Nobody really played their full hand. A lot of the top teams were very, very reliable and quick. A lot of the teams who've traditionally struggled around this time struggled. Hmm. I think the most concerning teams were Haas because of their reliability, Alpine because it caught fire. Alfa Romeo because because of reliability. and, And, yeah, barely running at all. Um, and I think the particular takeaways is that Mercedes looks good. And they've also unveiled a car with no side pods. Have you seen that? No. So there's rumors that Mercedes has completely redesigned an aspect of the car already and that it is essentially just chassis, no side pod. That the that big developed area that a lot of cars have, they've essentially just gone for a Coke bottle design and it looks like it's got big chunk like big empty areas of floor. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet. However, it's coming out from multiple sources that Mercedes may have already implemented a radical design change that will be unveiled at Bahrain. We just don't know yet. I guess we'll find out tonight when they go out on the track. Yeah, quite probably. Red Bull look good, Ferrari look good, McLaren look good. So, The teams that you expect to be up there were there. Like, Obviously, the top four teams over the three days were the two Mercedes and the two Red Bulls. Yep, yep. And 
that's fine. We'll see a little bit more at Bahrain because we've had another couple of weeks of development and they're going to be running because they've had the blessings of having essentially two testing periods this year when normally they don't. Whatever strategies and programs they ran during Spain shakedown, they will now be running alternate and different programs during the Bahrain testing. We saw a lot of long running in Barcelona. I think we'll see a lot of race pace in Bahrain. I, I reckon we'll see a lot of quality pace too, like just doing one lappers. One laps, see just how quick we can push this car and then a series of five to 15 lap stints at full pace just to see how the car will hold up under full beans for a portion of time. Can we make predictions on what we think is going to happen with that? Because I think the Alpha will fall apart. Look, <laughs> it's. I want them to do well for Valtteri. I really want them I to do well. I don't think they are, though. But it's not looking good. It's really It's looking not bad. looking good. I think they're 10th this year. They're going to get a lot of wind tunnel time next year. <laughs> <laughs> there's always positives. It's like, well, at least we'll have a chance. But there's always the nervous aspect, though, is if you're 10th and you come 10th again, it's like, man, we must be bad because we're just, we can't even design our way out of this well, with more could, time. Well, it could be 11th. There are rumors that Andretti's joining. Well, he's submitted his petition. We're just waiting for confirmation. Yeah, now. I hope the sport accepts it. Well, from what I understand, Zach Brown's keen, Alpine's keen. One of the big no-nos was Toto. Of course. He doesn't want another team in there. No. But I'd love to see it because, you know, it's another American team. You're expanding into America. You're going to have two races there this year. Why not have them two teams? And Americans are massive motorsport fans. There's no denying that they really really support their athletes and their teams. America has been for years a massive untapped market for F1. It'd be great to get more American money and more sport involved. Also, their their production of their sports is second to none. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to like many American sports, but if you ever have the opportunity to just watch a production they do, be it NASCAR, be it NBA, be it American football or hockey... Their broadcasters are incredible and their production is awesome. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all to get a little bit closer with America, especially with what they have to offer. It'd be awesome to see some more American drivers on the grid. There's a couple of good young ones in F2. You got Logan Sargent. And there are rumors that Pato Award, he races under the Mexican flag. He would be McLaren's pick for their next F1 driver if they could bring someone across. Yeah, well, he's uh, a McLaren IndyCar racer. Yeah, and he's very good. And the one you didn't mention was uh, Andretti's golden child, Colton Herter. Oh, and Colton Herter too. How could I forget? Yeah, Colton Herter, he's their golden boy. He's their golden child. He's the one who's going to get that seat if Andretti gets in. And the only other one I can think of that they could bring in if they want an experienced driver is another Andretti driver named Romain Grosjean to get a swan song. Could you imagine Romain coming back with Andretti? That'd be incredible. I'd really like to see it because you got K-Mag at Haas because K-Mag did sign. Then they can finally fight each other because they <laughs> hate each other. No, they're well, they, best they, of friends. They're best of friends. But on track, they hate each other because they always hit each other. True. They could finally fight it out though with like being like, well, you did take out the opposition, which is better than taking out a teammate. For once. Yep. <laughs> but on a side note, Roman congratulated K-Mag earlier today on getting that seat back. Of course, of he course. He was so happy for his friend. Yeah. I And... That is what is so nice about F1 is a lot of the drivers do really get along and support each other. The battle between Lando and Carlos is going to be awesome this year and you both know whoever wins is going to be stoked for the other one. Oh, completely. 
We, do we want to talk about Bahrain? I think we should maybe do a mini preview. I'm happy to do a mini preview. And then next week we can do a big preview leading yeah. into it. So, obviously Bahrain's been on, the, been on the circuit since 2004. I think it's only ever missed one year in 2011, I believe. Don't quote me. You're saying it with enough confidence that I can only believe you. I believe they've missed one year due to a conflict in Bahrain. Okay. I can't remember what year. Uh, lap record. Yep. 131 by Pedro De La Rosa in 05. So it's a very quick track. Very, very quick track that they've still yet to beat the goddamn lap record on. 2005, they were running V10s, V8s. I believe it was V8s back then. They sounded incredible. It was a 131.447. A very quick. It's very a very quick, quick track. I like Bahrain as a circuit. It's at night time, so it's under lights. The cars look incredible. There is opportunity for overtaking at a number of spots, yeah, and you, you got do long, see. You've got three long straights leading into hard braking zones. And are all three DRS zones no, as well? No. Just so two. T- three are. Three are DRS so you got, zones. So you got the main straights DRS, and you yep. do the little loopy thing where Grosjean had his accident. Yep. Then you got another DRS zone up to a hairpin. Yep. You calm down, you do a little windy bit, then you go into a third straight. Yep. That's the DRS, and then the last straight after the last little like loop cool. around is not DRS. Cool. So I think it's going to be a pretty fast race. And if these cars can race behind each other for long periods of time, which they're saying they are, Charles reported that in certain distances you can race a lot closer and it is a lot easier. So the drivers are saying they are assuming based on what they felt during testing, because a few of them did follow closely to put it to the test. Reports were that yes this is going to be easier to race closer behind for longer distances, which is going to be awesome. Oh, man, it's going to be racing again. I can't wait. Man, Toto, we're going motor racing this year, mate. How are you going to complain your way out of this one? <laughs> um, Michael Massey. Fuck, we forgot to mention that. Yeah, Michael Massey has been replaced. Yeah. I don't know who his replacement is. I don't know if I agree with that decision. I don't. You don't? I'll explain why I don't. Yes, he did make some mistakes. However, he was an unexpected fill-in for that role. Charlie Whiting had had that position for years. And we do remember him fondly, but he wasn't always the best decision maker either. We need to also put into context that this was the first year we had had such access to the discussions and to the race director. The teams also had more access to them as well. I'm glad they've got rid of that. They have now since removed that. And I think because we had so much access and we saw how childish some of the teams could be and also how Michael would react under those situations, us having viewership to that caused too much of a fight between fans and between teams. So having all that removed is a good thing. Do I think that was enough for him to lose his role? No, I think he should have been reprimanded and told that, This is the expectations for the year ahead. Everybody will now follow this new rule set and be given an opportunity to show under a better setup regulation system for him how he could go. I also do understand the fact that the FIA was looking for a clean start and that let's just, we're changing a lot of things. We are going to change all of it. I do understand where they're coming from. I just don't think it, I think it could have been a bit fairer. Do you have the person who is replacing Michael Massey? So, for half the season, it will be a man named Niels Wittich, who was the former DTM race director, and the other person, Eduardo Freitas, was an ex-WEC race director. 
and they will both they so they're splitting the races fifty fifty. Yep. And at every race they're gonna have Herbie Blash as their sort of their like support. So he used to work with Charlie Whiting, he was Charlie Whiting's right hand man. Yep. If they wanted to do this right, I agree with you, Michael Massey didn't deserve to be fired. He there was a lot of stress. I wouldn't want his job last year. I wouldn't want it either. But in saying that, he did make some good calls, he made some bad calls. Not gonna discuss that. No. But how giving him a support similar like having Herbie Blash jump in with him this year and be like, look, this is what we expect of you. He's and just give him clear examples throughout, like just come up with examples from last year. This happens this year. This is how you punish it. Just little things like that, and just give him one final chance because I don't think he was that bad overall. No, and it is a little bit of a slap in the face to be like, hey man, you're fired, and because of your performance, we're bringing in all this extra support to make sure that the person who's in your position doesn't have to go through what you went through. It is a bit rude to be like, and we're not giving you an opportunity to see how you do under those beneficial circumstances. Let's do a top three for Bahrain. Okay. I think, I said in my predictions, I don't think we'll see a Mercedes or a Red Bull driver win. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was thinking. That was a terrible statement to make. It's obviously going to be either Max or Lewis. It's a toss of a coin, really. But I think I am going to be pig-headed and stick to my prediction and say Charles will get the win. Okay. Charles first, then Max, then Lewis. That's my top three. Okay, I've gone a bit of a different way with you. I've gone, got Russell at three. Yep. Max at two. And big dick Danny Rick for the win. I want to be that level of confidence and support. I w- I'd love to see it. Look, it's round one. I'm allowed to have my heart in my prediction for round one. I'll give you that. I won't deny you that benefit, man. I won't deny that. Imagine having a shoey in the first race. Oh, man. It'd make my day. I, pick, I predicted three wins for Danny Rick this year. I'd only have two to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst idea. Well, I think that's all we have this week. Thank you very much for listening to us. As usual, we can be found on all the social medias at Formula Bums. And if you would like to have more contact with us, the best place is probably on Discord. Again, where they're at Formula Bums. If you've enjoyed the show, it would we would really appreciate it if you left us a review or even just a rating or a like on any of our social media pages. Every little bit helps get our name out there. We understand that this show may not necessarily be perfect for you, but if you think it is good for someone, please do share it with them and don't be afraid to reach out to us. Thank you very much, guys.